Section 16 of Anthropology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anthropology, Book 1 by Immanuel Kant, translated by Adolf Ernst Kroger. Section 16. 32 concerning the faculty of the power of imagination to represent the past and make present the future the faculty consciously to represent the past is called the power of memory and the faculty to represent something to oneself as occurring in the future is called the power of prevision so far as they are sensuous both of these faculties are founded on the association of the past and future conditions of the subject with its present condition and although they are not themselves perceptions they serve to connect perceptions in time to connect that which no longer is with that which is present and in a connected experience they are called faculties of remembrance and of divination of respiciency and prospiciency if i may use these expressions by means of which we become conscious of representations that we might find in a past or in a future condition a concerning memory memory is distinguished from the purely reproductive power of imagination in this that it is able to produce at its will a previous representation and that hence in it the mind is not a mere play of that representation fantasy that is creative power of imagination must not mingle with it for that would make memory untrue to take hold in memory of something quickly readily to recall it and to retain it for a long time these are formal perfections of memory but these qualities are rarely met together when a person believes that he has something in his memory but cannot recall it to consciousness he says that he cannot call it to mind the endeavor to do so if nevertheless attempted is a very great exertion of the brain and the best method is to let other thoughts busy oneself for a while looking only casually back upon the object in which case one will generally seize hold of one of the associate representations that recalls the primitive one to take hold of something in memory methodically memori mundere is called to memorize not to study as the vulgar are apt to say of the preacher who merely learns his sermon by heart this memorizing may be mechanical or ingenious or judicious the first is based merely on repeated literal repetition for instance in the learning of the multiplication table in which instance the student often has to go through the whole series of the words that follow each other in their usual succession in order to arrive at the figure sought for thus when the pupil is asked how much is three times seven he will begin at three times three and arriving at three times seven will also probably catch the twenty-one but when you ask him how much is seven times three he will not be so quick in arriving at the solution but will have to reverse the numbers in order to get the answer it is a solemn formula which has to be learned in which no expression must be changed but which has to be learned by heart as it is called it happens that men even of the best kind of memory are afraid to trust themselves 
which very fear is likely to lead them astray, and therefore consider it necessary to read it off aloud. Indeed, the most practical preachers are apt to do so, since the least change of words might make them appear ridiculous. Ingenious memorizing consists in a method of impressing upon memory certain representations through association with their co-representations that have in themselves, for the understanding, no relation at all to each other, as, for instance, the sounds of a voice with images utterly dissimilar. In this case, people are apt, in order to get hold of something in memory, to burden that memory with still further co-representations, and thus to act absurdly. An unruly attempt on the part of the power of imagination to pair together what cannot be brought under one and the same conception, which is at the same time a contradiction between means and purpose, since the intention is to ease the burden of memory, whereas it is, on the contrary, made heavier by the unnecessarily accumulated association of very dissimilar representations. A remark which explains this phenomenon is this, that wits have seldom a true memory. Ingeniosus non admodum fida est memoria. Judicious memorizing is nothing else than that of a table of the mental divisions of a system, for instance, Lenau's system. In this case, if we have forgotten something, we can easily recall it to mind by counting up what we have remembered. Or it is the memorizing of a table of the visible divisions of a whole, as, for instance, the provinces of a country on a map, etc., since that also requires understanding, which comes to the aid of imagination. A great assistance to memory is to be had by constructing a commonplace book for general conceptions by means of classification, as, for instance, when we arrange our books on different shelves with different headings. There is no such a thing as an art of memory, ars memore. Amongst the various tricks belonging to it, we may mention rhymed proverbs versus memoralis since the rhythm has a regular fall of syllables which greatly assist the mechanism of memory one must not speak contemptuously of the prodigies of memory apicus of mirandola scaliger angelus politianus megliobecchi etc the polyhistorians who carry in their heads a load of books sufficient for a hundred camels as material for their different sciences because perhaps they did not possess a judgment proper for the selection of all this knowledge for an appropriate use it is merit enough to have brought together so much raw material even if it needs other minds to work it up judiciously tentum skimmest quantum memoria tenemus one of the ancients has said the art of writing has ruined memory by making it partly superfluous there is something true in this proposition for an ordinary man generally has the manifold which he has encountered better arranged on his mental thread and can therefore recall it easier because his memory is here mechanical and admits no reasoning to intermingle whilst the scholar whose mind is occupied with many foreign thoughts forgets many of his agreements or homely occupations through mere mental dissipation because he did not take hold of them with sufficient attention 
but to have tablets safely in your pocket to be quite sure that you can find surely and without difficulty what you have just put into your mind is at any rate a very great comfort and the art of writing is after all a very glorious art which although it is not used for the purpose of communicating knowledge to others can yet represent the truest and most extensive memory the lack of which it can replace forgetfulness obliviositis on the contrary in this case the mind however often filled remains nevertheless always empty just like a sieve is proportionately a greater evil this evil is sometimes brought about without any fault of our own as in the case of old men who may well be able to remember the events of their early life but always forget that which is nearest to their remembrance nevertheless this is often the effect of an habitual mental dissipation which is apt to affect specially lady novel readers for since the only object of that kind of reading is to be entertained for the moment every one knowing that it is mere fiction and the reader having therefore full liberty to follow the bend of his or her own imagination while reading which naturally dissipates the mind and makes absence of mind lack of attention to the present habitual memory must inevitably be weakened this exercise in the art of killing time and making oneself useless for the world and yet complaining afterwards of the shortness of life is one of the most dangerous enemies to memory apart from the fantastic mental condition which it produces end of section sixteen